Welcome to the Free Chapel Podcast. Let's get into this week's message. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, listen to what God's Word says. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy. When we want to really emphasize something, we put an explanation, exclamation point. But in the Hebrew language, when they wanted to emphasize something, they said it multiple times. That's why the scripture says, holy, 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 because God is a holy God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Let us pray. God, I cannot You never said I could. You can. You always said you would. So would you hide us in the cross of Calvary that people might see Jesus? Thank you for the high honor, distinguished privilege to be at Free Chapel today. Be with this wonderful worship team. Be with this wonderful church. Feel the pulpit of of America's wonderful pastor, Jensen Franklin. But I pray today that you would just anoint us, God, because it's your anointing that breaks the yoke. And so I ask you to come and speak to us and through us. And God, for all you do, we're going to praise you. For we pray this prayer with a grateful heart. For we pray this prayer in the name above every name. That's the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus, the Lamb of glory. Until you come, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to talk to you about what should happen when we gather to worship. What should happen when we gather to worship? And folks, let me say as a foundation, I believe we ought to gather to worship. I believe we ought to gather. I still believe Hebrews 10 and 25 says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as we see the day approaching. I still believe that we need church. I believe we ought to attend it. I believe we ought to commend it. I believe we ought to defend it. And I believe we ought to extend it. I still believe that God's people need to gather into God's house. I believe we need church. And this is not the message, but I found out some very interesting things. I found out, ladies and gentlemen, that do you realize you'll be healthier if you go to church? I researched where fatal, life-taking accidents take place. 20% of fatal accidents happen in an automobile. 17% at home. 14% on streets or sidewalks. 16% air, train, or water. But listen to this. As far as death, deaths are concerned, 0.001% happen in church. <laughs> so you're in a safe place. 
in almost 40 years of preaching, I've had one man to die in church. One man. Paramedics came, carried out 17 men before they got the right one, but only one man. So you're healthier if you go to church. Let me tell you something else. You're happier if you go to church. Did you know you're twice as likely to have a happy marriage if you go to church? I wrote the book, Happy Wife, Happy Life. Because I realized if mama's not happy, there's nobody happy. And if daddy's not happy, there's nobody who cares. Amen? I mean, you really will. So you'll be healthier. You'll be happier. I'll tell you what I believe. I believe you'll be holier if you go to church. I believe you'll be holier. You say, Pastor Benny, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Well, you don't have to go home to be married. Amen? But you're not going to have a much of a relationship. Now, I just lay a foundation, folks. I'm just here to speak for the church because I believe the hope of the world is the local church. I believe the hope of the world is the ministry of the local church. So when we gather for worship, what should happen? Let me give you four things. When we gather for worship, we should see the Lord and be comforted. We should see the Lord and be comforted. Now, when Isaiah penned this scripture, it was believed that he was in the temple. Most theologians believe that he penned it and he was in the temple when this experience happened. And he said these words. He said, in the year that King Uzziah died. Uzziah, his name literally means Yahweh is my strength. For the most part, he was a good king. He became the king of Judah when he was only 16 years of age. And he ruled for 52 years. And he eventually died of leprosy. But Isaiah said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. This is what I realized. Isaiah knew the Lord, but it took something tragic in order for him to see the Lord. And I've learned many times in our lives, God uses adverse things so we will see the Lord. I walked a mile with pleasure. She chatted all the way, but left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow and not a word said she. But all oh, the wiser I was when sorrow walked with me. He said, when the king died, I saw the Lord. And God allows things to happen so he can get our attention because he wants us to see him. And I just want to remind you today, whatever's going on in your world, whatever's going on in your world, when we gather for worship, we should see the Lord <laughs> and we ought to be comforted. When we gather to work for worship, we ought to see the Lord and we ought to be comforted. Now here's what's amazing. King Uzziah, the king of Judah, he was dead. He was no longer on the throne. Isaiah said the earthly king was dead. <laughs> but he said, I found out God's still on the throne. I found out God's still on the throne. 
Folks, I, I want to remind you of something. <laughs> you know, we go through uh, we go through Clinton and we go through Bush and we go through Obama and we go through Trump and we go through Biden and we go through every bit of that and they come and go from the throne. But I want you to know that God is still on the throne and God is still in control. And when we come to God's house, we ought to see the Lord, ladies and gentlemen, and we ought to be comforted. You know, I read Isaiah chapter 6. I read the first five chapters of Isaiah. Not too much happened, but I want you to know something. After Isaiah encountered the Lord, after he had an experience with God, things happened. See, this happened in Isaiah 6, and it was in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 4, that 14, that he said, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and shall bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. See, it came from Isaiah chapter 6. In Isaiah chapter 9, he said, For unto us a child is born. That shows Jesus' humanity. And then he said, Unto us a son is given. And then he said these words, And the government... <laughs> shall be upon his shoulders and the government shall be upon his shoulders. I want to remind you that no world leader, Putin or anybody else can put the government upon their shoulders. No world leader can put the government upon their shoulders. But I want to report to you, Jesus Christ can put the government on his shoulders because he can handle all three branches. He can handle the judicial branch because he's the final judge. He can handle the legislative branch because he is the lawgiver. He can handle the executive branch because he is the king of kings and the lord of lords and they're none like him. I just stopped by to remind you, he is the master of the mighty. He is the captain of conquerors. He is the head of heroes. He is the leader of legislators. He is the overseer of overcomers. He is the governor of governors. He is the prince of princes. He is the king of kings. And he is the Lord of lords. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord. And he was high and he was lifted up. And he said those seraphims were around the throne. Seraphims means burning ones. They were so close to God, ladies and gentlemen, they burned with the holy brilliance of God. They were around the throne. And the Bible said they took two of those wings and they covered their faces. And they took two of those wings and they covered their feet. And with two of those wings, they did fly. God showed me something. They had six wings, and four of the six was used to worship. And the other two was used to work. <laughs> That's why the Bible says in Luke 4 and 8, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. I spent a ministry trying to make workers out of people. 
But if I could go back, I'd make worshipers out of people. And I'd make worshipers out of people. What is worship, ladies and gentlemen? We have all these different opinions. Worship is simply expressing your love to God. It's simply expressing your love to God. And don't let the imperfections of your life keep you from worshiping a perfect God. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. Because everything's right with God. See, when we come to God's house, we ought to see the Lord. I don't know what's going on in your life. I've got problems. You've got problems. All God's children got problems. Amen? How many of you got a problem? Get your hand up. How many of you seated right beside you? Amen? We've all got problems. But when we come to God's house, we ought to see the Lord and be comforted. Let me tell you something else. When we come to God's house, we ought to see the Lord and be convicted. Somebody said, oh, pastor, we live in, this is 2022. We need everybody just to be so comfortable. Where do we get that in the word of God? Listen, folks, God's called me to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable, amen? No, 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 God's not called us to be comfortable. He said, I went into the presence of God. And then I said this, woe is me, for I am undone. For I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amidst a people of unclean lips. I, I, I don't know what it was, folks. But I do know this. Ephesians 4.29 says this. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of thy mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Wait. And grieve not the Holy Spirit. We quench the Holy Spirit by what we don't do. But we grieve the Holy Spirit by what we do do. And we grieve the Holy Spirit with his tongue. We grieve. He said, I was in the presence of God. But then I said, woe is me. I don't know if it was profanity. I don't know if it was gossip. I don't know what it was, but there was something with the tongue. Something with the tongue. An elderly lady's driving down the road. She's going rather fast. The officer pulls her over and says, you were doing 70. You were doing 70 in a 40. He said, I need to see your license. She said, uh, this grandmother said, I don't have any. I have, I've got so many DUIs. He said, well, I need to see the car registration. She said, uh, there is no car registration. I stole this car. I shot a man. He's in the trunk. Well, that deputy sheriff called the sheriff and said, Sheriff, come quick. We got a bad situation. The sheriff gets there and they open the trunk up and it's completely empty. And then the sheriff says to that grandmother, he says, I need to see, I need to see your license. She said, well, certainly, officer, and hands them to him. And he says, do you have car registration? She said, well, sure I do. It's right here in the glove compartment. And he looks at that deputy sheriff and he said, you said... A dead man was in the trunk. You said she had no license. You said she had no registration. And she spoke up and she said, I bet he said I was doing 70 in a 42. Listen, I don't know what the tongue was. But listen to me closely. The Holy Spirit, he's a dove. He's very sensitive. He's very sensitive. 
And if you want the manifested presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And this gets us in trouble. God gave us two ears in one of these, and it still gets us in trouble. He put teeth in front of it, and it still keeps us in, gets us in trouble. Oh, God, from our brains to our tongue, we need a speed bump. Amen? When we come to God's house, we ought to see the Lord and be comforted. When we come to God's house, we ought to see ourselves and be convicted. But when we come to God's house, ladies and gentlemen, we ought to see ourselves and be cleansed. I don't know what the tongue problem was, but I do know this. The Bible says in verse 6, then one of those seraphims took a live coal and he touched my tongue and my iniquities was taken away and my sin was purged. I'm grateful 1 John 1 and 9 says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he didn't come to rub our sins in, he came to rub them out. He came to rub them out. He came to purge our sins. He came to cleanse us. My wife's here on the front row. We've been married for 37 years. 37 years. When we got married, we made a pact that uh, made a covenant that we would never go to bed upset at each other. We never have. We've stayed up for two or three days at a time, but we've never gone to bed upset at each other. We decided divorce is not going to be a part of our vocabulary. Murder is, but divorce is not. Amen? I mean, we just, we just stuck in here. What's commitment mean in marriage? Commitment in marriage means willing to be unhappy for a while. Good preaching. Thank you. It's a commitment you make. Barbara and I have one daughter, we, we adopted our daughter, Savannah Abigail. Savannah Abigail's father, biological father, was deaf. And so we watched her hearing real closely. And one day she was walking away from me and I said, Savannah, Savannah. She kept walking. And I said, oh my goodness, Barbara. She's inherited that from her daddy. She's going to be deaf. I, I, didn't know, I, I didn't know a whole lot about rearing children. I used to travel and preach a message, 10 sure, surefire steps for raising the healthy, productive, godly child. Then I had a child. And I changed the message to three things you may want to try. They may or may not work. But anyway. <laughs> but she's, she started walking away. I said, Barbara, she's deaf. She's inherited that. She's everything. And we take her down to the doctor and he has this little device and he's got water and it's percolating and he takes this wand and he puts it in Savannah's ear. All this stuff starts coming out. This is good right before lunch. But all this stuff comes, starts coming out. I said, Barbara, she's not deaf. She's just got all that wax and all that stuff built up. Now here's what's interesting. I read verse 6 and 7. Isaiah said, my sin was purged. Look what verse 8 says. Verse 8 says, And I heard the voice of the Lord. I wonder how many times God's wanted to speak to us, but there's so much stuff built up in our life. 
Because if the enemy can't make us bad, he'll make us busy. And we've got so much junk, and we've got so much stuff built up, and we've got so much stuff going. When God would really like to speak to us, he'd really love to give us a word. He'd really love to give us direction, but he can't speak to us because there's so much junk built up. There's so much junk built up. But thank God for a church where we can come and be cleansed. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. When we come to God's house, we ought to see the Lord and be comforted. When we come to God's house, we ought to see ourselves and be convicted. I preach on Sunday and they'll say, you stepped on my toes. No, I didn't step on your toes. If I was going to aim for a body part, it wouldn't be your toes. I didn't step on anything. It was the Holy Spirit of God that dealt with your heart. When we come to God's house, we ought to see ourselves and be convicted. When we come to God's house, we ought to see ourselves and be cleansed. But lastly, ladies and gentlemen, when we come to God's house, we ought to see others and be concerned. We ought to see others and be concerned. Look what he said in verse 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. All the people that have never heard the gospel could be wrapped around the globe 40 times if they were shoulder to shoulder today. We have a responsibility. When we come to God's house, we not only should see the ones that are here, but we should see the ones that are not here. And we should be concerned. And we ought to just be nobodies that's telling everybody about somebody that can change anybody. And that person is Jesus Christ. I said this book, Defy the Odds, was about my dysfunctional life. My mother had a sixth grade education. She spent one night with a man, became pregnant. She said to that man, I'm a child, and that man left. Here was a little girl with a sixth grade education and no daddies, no church, no God. There was a lady that lived across the road from her. Her name was Jenny Travis. She was a Pentecostal lady. I, I can still see Jenny Travis. I called her Mammy. She wore hair in a bun. You, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> wore hair in a bun and no makeup. You know, years ago, Pentecostal ladies couldn't be pretty. Mama goes to Jenny Travis, and she says, uh, I need you to help me with this baby. And Jenny Travis said, what's his name? And Mama said, his name's Vincent, Vincent. She said, I can't pronounce Vincent. I'm going to just call him Benny. Mama said, whatever, if you'll help me with him. And that Pentecostal lady would take oil, oil, and she would anoint me and pray over me and say, God, you're going to use this little baby. You're going to use this little baby. You're going to use his life. You're going to use him. I believe he's going to be a man of God. God, you're going to use this little baby. And I stayed there a few years, and eventually my mother came back. 
She came back with a man. I guess you could say he was my stepfather. He was the man that mama said took, took her to a dark, dreary medical facility. He took her to a dark, dreary medical facility when she was pregnant with me. And she said to him, what are we doing here? He said, well, I don't want that baby in your belly. And you don't need that baby in your belly. So we're going to take care of that baby in your belly today. My mother said she ran out of that facility and said, nobody's going to kill my baby. Nobody's going to kill my baby. You listen to me very closely. You cameramen come up real close. You listen to me closely. There are accidental parents, but there are no accidental children. God's got a plan for every life. God's got a plan for every life. The intrinsic value of every life. Every life matters. Needless to say, that man became my stepfather. And each day of my life, he would tell me how ignorant I was. He would tell me how I was illegitimate, but he never used that word. He would just over and over call me that other word. You're nothing but a blank. You're nothing but a blank. You'll never amount to anything. Physically abusive, mentally abusive, emotionally abusive, not only to me, but to my mother. He'd beat my mother. And he'd make this statement to my mom. When I get through beating your face, no man will ever look at you. When I get through beating your face, no man will ever look at you. We probably left 15 times. I said, Mama, why did we always go back? She said, Benny, I just had a sixth grade education. I didn't know how to provide for you. I didn't know how to provide. That's why my daughter heard her entire life. Savannah Abigail, don't you depend on a hair-legged boy. You get you an education. Man, she's taken me up on it. She's gone to school her entire life. Eventually, words are powerful. I couldn't learn. I couldn't learn. I remember going to Murfreesboro, Tennessee for a mental evaluation because I couldn't learn. Because I was told over and over I was stupid. I was told over and over I'd never amount to anything. I was told over and over how ignorant I was. And death and life's in the power of the tongue. Somebody said words don't matter. Yes, they do matter. Because this world was created by words, and words create people's world. Death and life's in the power of the tongue. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Words matter. Finally, we left for good. But it didn't get much better. We started living in nightclubs and taverns. I'd sleep in the back. We'd sell whiskey legally. As a young boy, I'd get up all during the night and peddle whiskey. I reach 16 and my mother goes to bed. No church, no God, nothing. But my mother goes to bed and I wonder why mama's in bed and mama decided that life wasn't worth living. She put a pistol in her pocketbook and said, I don't want to end my life here because I don't want Benny to find me. I want to go to my first cousin's house. She lives about 30 miles away in Manchester, Tennessee, and I'll go there and I'll spend the night and I'll do it there. That way, she'll be the perfect one to find me. My mother goes to her first cousin's house and knocks on the door. 
and says to that first cousin, can I spend the night with you? And that first cousin says, yes, you can. But I want you to know something. I'm not the person I used to be. I've gone down to the church and I've given my life to Christ and he changed my life. I don't party in corrals anymore. He changed my life. And more than anything, you need to give your life to Christ. Can we call our pastor and you give your life to Christ? Her first cousin called the pastor. And that very night, ladies and gentlemen, my precious mother gave her life to the Lord Jesus Christ. That very night, she gave her life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I've said many times the place where my mother went to end her life, she found eternal life. Amen? The place where she thought it was going to end, it really just all began. The next morning, my mother pulled up in a red Thunderbird. She's got red hair. She got out of that car, and you may not believe this. Somebody said after hearing Brother Benny preach, you may not believe what he believes, but you'll believe he believes what he believes. Amen? My mother got out of that car, and she looked different. She looked different. She had a glow about her. And she said, Benny, I haven't raised you right. We shouldn't have lived like we lived. But last night, your mama got saved. Last night, your mama became a Christian. And you're going to get a new mama. And I got a new mama. I saw a transformation in her life. Tell everybody about Jesus and whenever necessary, use words. Amen. I saw a transformation in her life. Mama started praying for me. I'd come in and she'd say, God, Benny's doing stuff that he shouldn't be doing. But deal with his heart. I want to see Benny saved. One night about midnight, I said, Mama, I can't take it anymore. Can't take it anymore. I want to give my life to the Lord. She said, let's call the pastor. I said, let's call him. I, he said, you got to pray. I said, I don't know how to pray. He said, just take my hands. I'm going to lead you in the sinner's prayer. And he led me in the sinner's prayer. He led me in the sinner's prayer, folks. And I want you to know something. God radically changed my life. God radically changed my life. Listen, today at Free Chapel Church, I thank God for salvation. I thank God that God thought it. Jesus brought it. The blood bought it. The Bible taught it. The Holy Spirit wrought it. The devil fought it. And we caught it. I'm glad I'm saved. I started trying to live for the Lord. And I said, Mama, I believe God's called me to preach. She said, we've never had a preacher in the family. I said, I know it. And mama, I don't want to do it. I'm backward, I'm shy, but God's called me to do it, mama. She said, well, boy, you got to do it. And so I started preaching. I'd take the Bible. I was high energy, low IQ. <laughs> I told my wife the other day, I said, I've taken this medicine and it's made me so hyper. She said, my goodness, how can you tell? But anyway... I'd take my Bible and I'd say, stand. I'm going to read out of the book of spasms. They finally told me that's Psalms, amen. One lady said, Benny, what is the epistles? I said, that's the apostles' wives. That's what the epistles is. 
Somebody said, I want God to use me. No, 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 no. You just get usable and he'll wear you out. He wants to use you. He wants to use you because Christ has no hands but your hands to do his work today. He has no feet but your feet to lead men in the way. He has no tongue but your tongue to tell them how he died. He has no help but your help to bring men to his side. I started preaching. I reached 30 years of age and my sister Rhonda said, somebody wants to meet you. I said, my goodness, who would want to meet me? She said, your daddy wants to meet you. I said, Barbara, I mean, Rhonda, my biological father, I'd never used the word daddy. He wants to meet you. I said, he wants to meet me. She said, yes. So I go to Nashville, Tennessee. And my biological father walks in. And I start asking him about himself. And he says, I spent time in prison. He said, uh, I was a professional gambler. I played cards all over the nation. He said, I ran whiskey rings, illegal whiskey rings. And we spent some time. And then I said, Don, before you go, I need to ask you something. Are you a Christian? He said, about two years ago, I staggered into a church and I gave my life to Christ. And he said, what you don't know, many times you've preached and I've been in the crowd. He said, I've been in the crowd and I'd walk by your table and you'd be signing books and I'd get everything on the table. I said, I hope you paid for it. Then he said, I want you to know some things. He said, number one, I'm dying. I'm dying. He said, number two, we didn't get to spend any time together here. Maybe we'll get to spend heaven together. Maybe we'll be close when we get to heaven. And then he said, number three, I only spent a short time with your mother. And we were both in sin. But he said, I've often thought when I've looked at how God used your life, what we meant for evil, God meant for good. <laughs> what we meant for evil, God meant for good. So I just came today to remind you, when we gather for worship, let's see the Lord and be comforted to know he's on the throne. Let's know that when we gather for worship, folks, let's see ourselves and know it's okay for God to convict us and deal with that, deal with that wax in our lives. And when we come to God's house, let's see others. Let's see others and be concerned. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps this podcast reach even more people. Free Chapel can now be your home church no matter where you live with Free Chapel Online. Watch weekly messages from wherever you are with your family and friends, join online small groups, volunteer, and more. Plus, there's weekly content for youth and kids. Join today by downloading the Free Chapel app or head over to freechapel.org online. And a special thanks to those who give generously to help us produce weekly content like this to reach the world with the message of Jesus. If you'd like to partner with us, you can give by clicking the link in the description or on our website and app. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.